0: Today we're talking about prayer. Prayer is a good thing, right? All right, good. We're trying to renew an emphasis of prayer in our church, and, uh, and so we're going to talk about it today. We're going to look at what Jesus prayed in particular and try, if we can, to get to the very heart of God by seeing how it was that Jesus prayed. But first I want to talk a little bit about the way that we pray, the way that we pray. And, and sometimes the way we pray isn't isn't quite you know right, right I mean I, I wanted to start by just a few ways a few prayers that I've said in my life maybe that uh you know weren't quite the idea so uh I've told you a little bit before that i've had I've had some stomach surgeries in my life. I had this stomach that was kind of twisted in my diaphragm, and so that's caused problems then I had Uh, I've had more problems since then, it's just the way it works, and sometimes I I get into like real agony in my stomach, and it really hurts, and I lay down, and I swear, I I imagine that I'm not alone here, but hopefully, uh, I had a few real holy people in the first service shaking their head no at me, which made me feel really guilty, but uh, you lay there miserable sick, whether you're just sick or you've got actual problems, and sometimes you say, oh God, if you would just take this agony away, I'll do anything, I'll do anything. I'll even pay more money to church, whatever. Just seriously, make me feel better. Have any of you ever prayed that kind of prayer before? Okay, okay. We've got a few people that are as bad as me. That's good to know. Uh, or have you ever gotten something in the mail, you open it up, and it turns out it was just a massive bill, and it was a bill you weren't expecting and way more money than is in your bank account, and you're like, oh God, listen, I'll, I'll start tithing if you send me money. Okay, a few more co- uncomfortable laughs, so maybe, uh, maybe there are a few people that have done that one before, okay? Oh, God, if you do this, then I will do this. Just take care of me in the difficult time. And then, of course, you know, God, God tends to take care, and then what happens, you know? Or how about this one? I remember when I was a kid, there was even a song made, but everyone was afraid of God calling them to be a missionary in Africa, you know? Oh God, please don't send me to Africa. I'll go, I'll go to Paris if you need me to be a missionary, but please don't send me to Africa. You ever pray that kind of prayer before? Please don't send me there. Oh God, please don't make me talk to Jimmy the bruiser at lunchtime about Jesus. You know? Don't send me there. Whatever you do, don't send me there. I'll do anything you want except X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E, and F, but I'll do everything else. Please don't send me there. Or my favorite prayer of all time, and this is a true story, my absolute favorite prayer I've heard all time was, and I heard it multiple times, I swear to you, in the state of Wisconsin on Sunday mornings, the pastor gets up and prays, Dear God, please keep Brett Favre safe today. And please, God, help the Packers to win. This is a true story. See, my mom was there. She knows. And so so all I'm saying today is, uh, you know, when the Patriots play, I don't have to pray because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, but you know, like praying, praying for, you know, my team to win. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. Asking God to make an intervention in a game so that what you could have – What you want to happen will happen. A lot of us pray this way. And I'm not saying that that this is bad. I'm not really even saying any of it's bad, but this is just typical of how we pray. Oh God, help Johnny's brother Mike, who's facing cancer surgery. Oh God, be with Sister Mildred as she's close to asking Jesus into her heart before she dies. Oh, we pray for Jill, whose third cousin is close to giving birth. May it be a simple birth these are the type of things that we pray for. All of them. God, help me with money. Help me with my friends. Be with my cousin. That lady at church, it seems that we're praying for their family. You know, these are the things we pray for. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. It's okay. But this is really kind of the line that we draw, and we never cross that line. And all of these prayers are selfish prayers. They are. They're all selfish prayers. They're all about me and my people and the people I love and the people I care about, the people that I care about, who they care about. And and they're they're just safe, and they're about me, and they're about my world. And it's about making sure that my world is tidy and in order. Now, I'm saying this. There's nothing wrong with praying for a bill that you can't afford. There's nothing wrong with praying for someone at church's cousin who's struggling with an illness. There's nothing wrong with that stuff. Nothing at all wrong with it, okay? But it's all safe, and it's all about tidying my circle. It's not dangerous. It's not really even consistent with how Jesus prayed. It's not really consistent with how Jesus lived. Before we get to Jesus' prayers, let's let's look at these verses right here from Luke just to sort of modify what I'm saying. That's a great picture of the Bay Bridge, isn't it? The Skyway? All right, there we go. Jesus said this, if you love those who love you, what credit is that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you lend... To those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. You get the idea here. Jesus is calling us to something beyond reason. Okay? Reason says you love those that love you. Reason says you can lend to people who are going to repay you. I mean, even sinners are capable of doing that. Let me throw in another line that Jesus didn't say, but, but you get the idea here what good is it just to pray for those that love you? I mean, let's be honest. I know lots of sinners that pray. I know lots of sinners that pray, right? What good is it to just pray for those who love you? What about dangerous prayers? Let's talk about dangerous prayers for a minute. There are two very famous prayers to Jesus that I want to talk about this morning. The first is the Lord's Prayer, and uh, I just kind of said it in the first service. This service, if you want to repeat it with me and kind of think about what you're saying, I invite you to. But this is the prayer of Jesus. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, as we forgive those who—I <laughs> got it wrong, right? Forgive us— Oh, man, I got, I got to thinking about my sermon. I'm sorry. Where was I at, Lamar? For forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a dangerous prayer if you actually think about it. It's a dangerous prayer. Think about how the very first word starts. Our. Our. It's not my God. It's our God. When we pray, let's pray for a God that's ours, the well-being of all of us, our Father, our, not my God, not my God. That's interesting that Jesus says that, our Father. Think about some of the other things that we're praying for in here. Forgive me of my trespasses or my debts as I forgive those who debt or trespass against me, oh man, I mean, that's, that's dangerous. You're asking God to forgive me in the exact same way that I forgive those who have sinned against me. What? How well are you forgiving the people in your lives? Have you, have you given it up? If you haven't, if you're like, yeah, I'll be cordial to you, but uh, really I'm still angry, you're praying, God, would you please just be cordial to me and still mad? That's what you're praying if that's the way you forgive other people. If you pray the Lord's Prayer. That's a terrifying thing. You're praying, God, teach me to forgive in the way you say you're capable of. Teach me to forgive in the way you say you're capable of forgiving. You're praying that God would teach you to let go. Man, we don't want to let go. That's hard. We're also praying, your kingdom come. Come. You see, we're not praying, oh God, this world is messed up and difficult. Get me out of here so I can live on a street of gold. You're praying, God, your kingdom as it is, will it come and fill my life and my world? Come to earth, in earth as it is in heaven. That's a radical prayer. Jesus seems to pray that with boldness to think that it's possible that our lives can look like it is in heaven now your kingdom come. Oh my goodness, this is a dangerous prayer, and it's words that we just kind of know when we go through, but this, this prayer, if we pray it seriously, can change our world and our perspective and our relationships. It can change our families and our schools and our churches. This is a radical prayer, and you see how this prayer is beyond just, God, I've got a need you say you supply needs, will you fix this? It's a prayer beyond that. It's about, God, we are entrapped in a world that's owned by sin, and you can change everything. Will you do it? You see how that doesn't start at my address, but it starts at God's power, and God, will you be revealed in this world for the sake of it to be changed? it's not about making my life better or a little more comfortable, but it's about God who is God being God in our lives. That's a powerful prayer. Let's look at another prayer as well. This one, uh, we're going to kind of walk through step by step. It's called the High Priestly Prayer. It's in John 17, but let me set it up for you real fast. This prayer of Jesus. We're going to look at, uh, Debbie's going to show us something from John 16. And what we have is a scenario here where Jesus has lined his disciples together and one last time he's saying to them, I'm going to go, I'm going to be crucified, you're going to be left behind and you're going to be in charge. And for the first time they're like, all right, you're the Messiah, we got it. And Jesus is kind of taken aback and he says these words, you believe at last, Jesus answered. But a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. See, what Jesus is saying to them before he prays them is, I'm going to give you peace and not troublousness. You see that? We pray so often that God will take away our troubles. That's what we pray for. It's not that God isn't interested in our troubles and doesn't want to intervene in our troubles. But think about what Jesus is saying here. You are going to have troubles. I'm going to give you peace in that. I'm going to give you peace in the troubles. And he leaves us with this promise before he prays. And I'm just saying this is as powerful as it gets in the gospel. I have overcome the world. The world is going to bring its troubles. It's going to be difficult. But the same world that gives you troubles is the world that God has overcome. Jesus defeated this world. He's overcome it. And he's offered the same to us for those who are patient. Alright? The troubles may not go away because we pray that they take away and therefore they'll be gone by Tuesday. They will be gone when Christ returns because he has overcome the world. Alright? Our troubles will come to an end. In the meantime, Jesus is saying, I offer you peace in the midst of the storm. Now let's follow what Jesus prays for here. What he prays for is so telling and it really comes out of the very heart of this. Let's see what he says. The very first first thing he does in the high priestly prayer is pray for himself. Jesus prays for himself first. And what's fascinating, it is by far the shortest part of the entire prayer. Can you imagine if your prayer life, you were the smallest subject in the entire prayer? This is the way that Jesus prays. He prays for himself just a little bit. And look at what he says. After Jesus said this, which I just read, he looked towards heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come glorify your son that your son may glorify you now that word glorify means reveal or make known okay jesus's prayer for himself is simply this my time has come meaning i'm about to be crucified my time has come may you be revealed through my suffering have we prayed like that lately have we prayed that kind of a dangerous prayer not set everything up for me so that I can be comfortable, but God, I know it's going to be uncomfortable when I follow you. Would you be revealed in my discomfort? Would you be revealed in my trouble? Will the wor- Could the world possibly see how good you are through the way my character is shown in the midst of my trouble? Jesus isn't asking, take away this crucifixion nonsense. He's saying, as I go into a world that wants to kill me, may the world come to know you by the way I am. Could you imagine praying a dangerous prayer like that? Could you imagine? Let's keep looking. Jesus prays next for his disciples. This is what he prays for his disciples, his 12. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, this is great as well. This is great as well. Jesus is saying here in this prayer, first of all, first of all, let's look at this. Uh, Oh, there's more, I'm sorry. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. First of all, it says, sanctify them in the truth. Uh, your word is truth. We read that so often today as saying the Bible is truth. Sanctify them in truth. The Bible is truth. But remember that this is in the Gospel of John, and the very first verse in the Gospel of John is, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. So Jesus is praying here, God, sanctify my disciples, make them holy, make them like you, make them like me. I am the truth. Sanctify them through me. Oh, that's so powerful, isn't it? Jesus is very holy here, okay? And he's saying, make them like me. Remember his last prayer is, may you be glorified through my suffering. And here he's saying, make them holy by making them like me. So he's praying also that God may be glorified through our sufferings. And then he prays furthermore, he says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. May the evil one not devour them. May the evil one not win with them. Protect them from the evil one. But then he also says, I send them back into the world. I sanctify them so that they may go back into the world. See, so often we pray, Oh God, just remove me from these difficult situations. And Jesus' prayer, quite the opposite, is send them into difficult situations armed with my holiness. This is another difficult prayer. This is another difficult prayer. Jesus is saying his very prayer, the very heart of our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, the very heart of him is that we go into tough places. Prepared, with the sanctification of our Lord, that God would make us holy so that we could be missionaries into the world. Jesus knows. Jesus knows at this moment that he's about to be crucified, and he knows before him there have been five, six, seven, many messiahs who've come along saying, I am the Son of God, and all of them were killed, and all of their movements ended. And Jesus knows that if Christianity is going to move into the world, his disciples need to be willing to go out into it. Can we pray this dangerous prayer with Jesus? Don't remove me from the world, God, but send me into it. Oh God, would you make me holy, not for my own sake, but for the sake of my brothers and sisters and neighbors and co-workers. God, I need your holiness, but I need it so I can go out into a world that needs to hear about you. God, send me to dangerous places. Can we pray those prayers? Jesus prays for one last group, and this, this group is particularly us, and that is all believers. All believers. He prays for all believers here, and this is what he says, I in them and you in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Before we continue on here, his first prayer for believers is unity. Unity. Have we prayed for unity lately? Remember last week we talked about the difference between uniformity and unity. We're not talking about uniformity here, okay? It's cool that you all don't like the same music as the first service. That's cool. That's, uh, we're not looking for uniformity here. No one's interested in uniformity all right? It's cool that some of you want the Giants to win and some of you want the Patriots to win. It's cool that some of you are from the South and some of you are from the North. It's cool that some of you drive away, drive away to get here, and some of you live in the neighborhood. We're not looking for uniformity here. Jesus prays for unity that will take all the things that make us beautiful and different and wonderful and make something even more beautiful by coming together. Because Jesus says that it's in unity that the world will see the love that God has for his Son and also for us. In unity, we demonstrate the love of God so that the world can know how much God loves them. This is true, folks. If you watch the news, the world is very fascinated by this whole Christian thing. They just don't buy into it. All right? They're very fascinated by it. They talk about us all the time in the news. They talk about how not unified we are, how prejudicial we are, how, uh, how we can't get along within denominations or outside of denominations. They talk about how mean we are. They talk about how we don't get it and all these kind of things. They don't see unity, and they don't see love amongst us. When the world is looking for God... They look to see what the church is living like. And when the church isn't unified, they assume that neither is God. If the church isn't love, then neither is God. Let's keep reading this part that Jesus prays for us. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. See here, Jesus' final part of the prayer is that through his believers— the world may see the love of God. That we may be so filled with love that the world understands that God is love. Can you imagine the church coming together and not not praying praying for uh, someone so that God will straighten them out, but praying that God will make us unified and that God will make us love? Could you imagine that if we prayed that, God, will you give me the eyes of Christ to see my enemy with love instead of the anger that I have the right to have? Could you imagine a dangerous prayer like that? This prayer that Jesus prays is a dangerous prayer. It's not not a prayer of of simplicity. It's not a prayer of, of selfishness, okay? This is a prayer that makes me go beyond my borders. This is a prayer that says it's not about just having my world in order. But it's about being a tool so that God's kingdom can come to this world. Do we pray prayers like that? Or are we more likely to pray prayers that just try to get the people that I love in good shape, get my world in order, and take away my cares? When Jesus prayed, when Jesus prayed, he didn't pray for the little things. Jesus prayed big, And when he prayed for us, he prayed for us that we would have boldness and strength to step outside of our little worlds and be a witness and a missionary for him. That's a big prayer, but it's a dangerous prayer. It is a dangerous prayer to pray alongside of Jesus. It is a dangerous prayer to enter into the very heart of God and see the things that matter to him and pray those same things. It's much easier, and it's perfectly acceptable to just pray small prayers. It's perfectly acceptable. In fact, it's good. I would never never encourage anyone to stop praying the simple prayers. It's a good thing. But when Jesus prays, he prays dangerously. He prays outside of comfort. He prays for us to step outside of comfort to put us right in line of the evil one, and then pray that we're protected once we're there. That's the prayer of Jesus. That's his very heart. This week, uh, I was at Target, and, and there, was this, there was this little boy there, six or seven years old, and, and, and this little boy had been born with a, a, a handicap. Both of his knees were, were turned inside, and so when he walked, he walked like this, you know? And, and in order to get anywhere, he had to have this big metal thing around him that he would hold onto his arms, and he would, he would use that to sort of balance him, and he would just walk along. And the thing about the big metal thing was that it was very squeaky, very squeaky, and it was loud. You could hear him from aisles and aisles away. And so that made me think that, that this boy with a physical handicap, anytime he wanted to leave his house... He had to leave his house announcing to the world that he was handicapped, because if he wanted to get from point A to point B, he needed a tool that caught your attention. So anytime, period, he had anywhere to go, he had to do it by making a loud announcement to the world that I'm handicapped. And I thought, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure, and I'm just watching this boy, and my heart is really going out to him, and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, sort of selfishly, I'm I'm glad that I don't have to go through that, but man, this kid, look at him. That's great. And, and he was just, he was filled with a joy that you don't see in a lot of kids in Target. I mean, most kids, they come to Target and they want to get to the toy aisle as soon as possible. And he was just smiling and bubbly. And the thing that I noticed most about him was that every three or four steps, he would push up on his cart and just ride the cart and skip about three steps and then walk a few more and push again and just, and just sort of fly and ride. And, and he was just having the time of his life, in spite of what any of us would say was just a real handicap, he was enjoying himself. And as I'm watching him go from aisle to aisle to aisle, I started thinking about my message this week, and I thought about how we talk about how we're sinful people which is in a lot of ways a handicap. And I thought about that big squeaky metal thing that he had that helped him stand straight and be able to walk. I thought maybe, maybe God can be like that in our lives. Not so much that we pray, God, will you straighten my knees out so I don't, have to, I don't have to walk with this thing? But maybe we'll start praying, God, you know, you know it's really tough living in this world and walking straight and narrow is hard. Will you go with me everywhere I go as a support? Help me have some joy in the midst of the disability. Help me fly in moments. Help me smile. Help me stand straight and walk proud. And God, if, if people want to turn and hear the squeaky part of you, if they want to turn and look at me, may my disabilities just glorify your life. Maybe that's the sort of prayer that we should start praying. Not so much, God, will you straighten out my knees so I can be normal. But God, in the difficult times, in the most hard times, will you be glorified through me? God, send me out into difficult places. God, make my story be known in places that it's embarrassing. May I glorify you through the way I live my life. Oh, man. Those are dangerous prayers. Those are dangerous prayers. But I'm telling you today that those are the prayers that are from the very heart of God. This is the way that Jesus prayed. Jesus wasn't praying that Peter's mother stop having the flu. That's an okay prayer. But when the disciples took notice, they took notice and wrote down that Jesus prayed that they were sent out. Can we pray those prayers? Can we pray those prayers? The musicians are gonna come forward and sing a final song. And I'm gonna invite you today, while they're singing, to come and pray a dangerous prayer. The safe prayers are great, they're great, and keep doing it. But can we begin to pray prayers that look beyond my safe little circle? God, where will you have me go? What will you have me do? What are you calling me to? Who can I talk to? What's a dangerous place I can go? God, give us unity. God, make my character a character of love. These are the dangerous prayers of Christ. Can we pray them in all honesty as well? God, it is our desire to not, to not just be safe Christians anymore. Teach us to move beyond, beyond prayers that are just for me and the people I love. Oh God, we pray, we pray that this be a place that's about, about seeing the world transformed. God, would you continue to transform our lives in here? Continue to change us and mold us into the men and women of God that you want us to be. Help us, oh God, to see the world through your eyes with love and hope and joy. And God, will we meet people in places of need so that we can demonstrate the hope and love and joy of following you to them. God, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your kingdom just make a massive difference in this world. God, we pray. that you be near to us protect us from the evil one as we go out we trust in you god and as we trust in you we're prepared to go out and follow your mission for this world in your name we pray